y'all. Um, my name is Jenny. I'm an alcoholic. Um, there's a lot of people I don't know in this room. Um, I mean, okay, maybe that's not totally accurate, though. Um, so AA has taught me that, like, I can walk into a room full of strangers and I have a room full of friends, you know what I mean? Um, and that was really important to me when I first got sober because I always felt like, this is a theme, like, I always felt like I never belonged anywhere. You know, I didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't really have a tribe, you know what I mean? Um, and so, like, that's that's been a theme throughout my life. But before I get, like, too far ahead of myself, no. um, I'll just, like, start at the beginning. But um, I was born in California, Bay Area. Um, I'm 22 years old. Um, I'm a student at UT. Um, I study biology. Um, what else? I work in a lab. I work at a treatment center. Um, my sobriety date is January 6, 2017. Um, that day is really important to me, really special. Actually, like when I first got to, like my first day sober was the first day I went to rehab. Um, <laughs> and like, my dad was asking me, what's your sobriety day? It's like January 6th. And he's like, you know, that's crazy. Your uncle died on that day. And I'm like, yeah, well, wh what do you mean? And he's like, no, yeah, your uncle died on January 6th. He was too drunk uh, to wake up from a house fire that was going on in his house and he died in the fire. So like, <laughs> like that right there makes me believe that at least someone's watching over me. Um, so growing up, um, I never really felt like I fit in with my, I have two sisters, um, biological sisters, never really felt like I fit in with them. I always like saw that they were really buddy buddy and I kind of felt like I was off on my, on my own all the time. And I have a twin sister also. So <laughs> I, um, I grew up kind of victimizing myself with this idea like I'll never have my own birthday. Like every time, you know, every time we're referred to, it's always us together and never really like us individually. Um, you know, I felt like I wasn't my own person, blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, growing up, it was just like a poor me thing. Like even as a little kid, you know, um, Growing up, I had a lot of anger issues. I uh, had to go to counseling when I was very young, um, like anger counseling, I guess, anger management for like seven-year-olds. Because <laughs> I was just like um, really aggressive towards other kids. You know, I went to a Lutheran school. I still don't really know what being Lutheran means. That's, you know, I was baptized Lutheran. I still don't know what it means. But anyway, the point is, is like, I was acting like, a, like an asshole in a house of God pretty much every day as a little kid. Um, and uh, that just kind of like separated me from everyone else, I guess. Well, I separated myself in that way. Um, I honestly couldn't see, like, where I was going wrong, um, growing up. It seemed like I always ran into trouble. I always got into, like, I always got into fights in school, especially when I was really little. Um, 
you know, I always thought it was someone else's fault. I really thought the world was against me. Uh, like, truly, um, I thought the world was against me. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, you know, grew up in California, lived in New Orleans for a second, lived in Houston for a long time, and um, came up to Austin for college. Um, I remember the first time I drank, I was like 13 or 14 years old, something like that. Um, and my parents, like, they like to entertain, you know, and that's what they were doing. Um, and they let my sisters and I have a drink, like one each. But of course, like, you know, my sisters and I, we got crafty and <laughs> we had like way more than one. <laughs> and um, my older sister and I, like, I just remember us like having a really good time. We were laughing, we were running around, we got locked out of our house. We had to come in through the doggy door. And <laughs> it was like, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I don't remember how I got to bed that night, you know, but I woke up feeling great. You know, I woke up feeling really good. Um, and I kept talking about it with my sister. I was like, that was so much fun. Like, remember when you said this and this and this and the other? And I didn't really um, understand like how good it felt until I kept, you know, doing it, until I kept drinking. That was when I started to notice like actually what it did for me. Um, at the time, I just thought it was a whole lot of fun. Like it was one of the most fun nights I, I'd had. Um, Excuse me. I'm getting over a cold, so. <clears throat> anyway. Um, so yeah, I started drinking like heavily, like every day um, from when I was like 15 onward. I got sober at 20. Um, so yeah, from when I was 15 until I was 20, I was drinking every day. And what I would do is I had like this coffee mug. <laughs> And um, I really liked whiskey. That was like my favorite drink. <clears throat> kind of because it worked faster than a lot of the other ones. And so I would pour like, uh, I don't know, maybe a shot or two of whiskey inside of this coffee mug and fill the rest of it up with coffee. And I'd take it to school and I'd just drink it throughout the day. Um, usually finished it by around lunchtime. Um, what I started to do, like, the ratio of coffee to liquor, like, became, you know, it was pretty much just liquor I was putting in this fucking coffee mug, you know, with, like, a splash of coffee. I mean, um, I just, like, didn't really, I thought everybody was doing what I was doing. Like, I thought every teenager kind of, like, went through this drinking phase, and I honestly didn't acknowledge it as, like, me drinking every day. Um, I started to finish that coffee mug like earlier and earlier throughout the day. Um, I never thought there was a problem because like I did really well in school, you know, like I was a straight A student. Um, I graduated like really high up in my class. Um, I mean, I just, I never thought that there was a problem, but for some reason I kept running into trouble with my family. Like, um, I kept getting into fights with my mom. You know, we didn't get along. Um, didn't get along with my sisters anymore. Um, it was just kind of fucked in that area. Like, um, 
I remember getting kicked out a couple of times and I failed to see like my side of the street. I didn't think it was attached to my drinking and using drugs at all. Um, I really thought they were just being totally unfair and like didn't understand the pain I was feeling every day. Because uh, when I woke up in the morning, y'all, like I felt, I felt like a pain inside of me, like in my chest uh, that made me want to like rip my skin off. I felt like I didn't belong in the space that I was born in, you know? Like I felt like the air that I took up wasn't, I, I just felt like it wasn't meant for me. Um, like I didn't deserve to exist. And it just hurt, like almost physically, it just hurt. Every day I woke up and that's how I felt throughout the day. And I didn't think anybody understood what that feeling was like until I got into these rooms. And I learned that like, y'all felt the same way I, I felt for the longest time. Um, you know, uh, when I was drinking, like I didn't feel that anymore, or at least it was numbed, you know, like I was distracted, like it wasn't there. Um, I had my first, like suicide is also like a big part of my story as well. Uh, that's one thing, like when I first read the big book, which I thought it was a Bible when I was first given a big book. Um, when I read Bill's story, he references like his suicide attempts and his ideations frequently. Um, and that's one thing I really identify with because I had my first suicide attempt when I was 12. Um, so growing up, like I had always been really troubled, really pained like in my own life. And not for any good reason, you know, like logically. They're, like, I had a good life, it was easy. My parents made good money. I had everything I needed. Um, I didn't want for much. I just wanted to be happy. And I didn't know how to do that other than drink and get high. Um, I started using like harder drugs later on in high school. And like, I had like a, like a meth phase for a little while in high school, you know. Um, you know, they just got harder and harder. Like, I've pretty much tried everything, um, except for heroin. I don't think I've, I don't think I've tried that, but, um, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, like, alcohol brought me to my knees, you know. It was alcohol that made me feel like bugs were crawling all over me. And, like, um, by the time I was 18 or 19, I started shaking when I woke up in the morning and I had to drink to, so, like, I wouldn't shake. Um, when I went to college, um, which I lived on the, at the dorms here at UT, let me see what time it is. Um, my thought was like, okay, I fucked off enough in high school. Like, you know, I can make this work. I'm just going to drink on the weekends. I'm going to do this like normally. Cause I knew like I was kind of getting out of control or whatever. And I was like, um, you know, these classes are going to be a lot harder. I can't, you know, slack off as easily as I could in high school um, and my degree at the time was studio art. Um, it's something I had a talent for and I made most of my money off of that. Um, I kind of like made it work for like a few months, you know, like the whole drinking on the weekends, you know, getting high just on the weekends kind of thing, not doing pills anymore, not doing coke anymore, you know, not Poppy Molly anymore. Um, I made that work for a few months. Um, and then like I started to 
drink on Fridays and Thursdays, and it's like, fuck, it's Monday, you know? Um, <laughs> I just, uh, it started to just turn into me drinking every day again. And I got caught, my, you know, my twin sister, we went to the same school. Um, she caught me multiple times. Like, she kind of had an inkling of what was going on. I didn't. Everybody else, like, everyone else knew I was an alcoholic before I did. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, there's a lot of shit that happened. I partied my ass off, you know, a lot of... Um, really traumatic things that, like, as a woman, maybe other women here can identify with. Um, you know, a lot of those things happen while I was partying. Um, I guess, like, it didn't really stop. It didn't really slow down. Um, I moved out of the dorms, moved into a house, um, and it just, like, I just kept up with the same pace. Um, Let's see. Eventually, I remember one day I came home and my sister, who lived, you know, we lived together, she's like, Ginny, I'm gonna give you three options. And this was like out of nowhere. She was like, you can get the fuck out, you can go to rehab, or you can stop getting high. You know, one of those three. And I'm like, Wait, what? Like, I didn't think any of those, like, had anything to do... Like, I didn't think any of that was relevant at all. I was so in delusion. <clears throat> but she gave me an ultimatum. She gave me three options. She's, like, sober up, basically, get out, or go to rehab and try to get better. Um, to me, I felt like that came out of nowhere. And that was, I think, like, the first time somebody, like, had blatantly voiced to me that they wanted me to get sober. Um, and then from then, at, like, from there on after, um, other family members started to mention, like, hey, you should, you should do this, uh, like, this treatment program, but none of them said rehab, they just said treatment. And I didn't know what that meant, you know? I'm like, treatment for what? And like, I'm fine, you know? And I honestly thought, like, if everyone else would just, like, leave me alone and let me do what I wanted to do, you know, shit would be all right. Like, people care about me too much. If you just let me do what I need to do, you know, this is going to be okay. Because um, it's, like, in my head, I was thinking, like, all right, Mom, Dad, you guys are the one with the problem. I'm fine. If you guys just calm down, this is going to be okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got intervened on, like, several times for selling drugs, for doing drugs whatever, um, in high school, um, and in college, um, you know, that was something that I didn't realize until I got sober. Like, a lot of this realization is in hindsight. At the time, y'all, I had no idea, like, I was an alcoholic. I had no fucking idea. Um, even when I, like, got sober, I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Um, all I knew was that I was miserable and I wanted to die and, and like something needed to work. Like, like I needed help, whatever that was. Um, but the realization that I was an alcoholic came later. So this next thing that I mentioned, I only mentioned because it played a big part in me getting sober. Um, but I had a partner at the time, I realized I was gay. 
and my partner committed suicide. And that, for me, like, gave me the perfect excuse to drink more and to use more drugs. And nobody could tell me not to, because I was grieving, you know? They had to understand the pain that I was going through. Um, and, like, I got away with it for a little while. Um, I moved back in with my parents, you know? I went to, like, therapy or whatever, but I showed up to therapy, like, fucked up every time. I remember one time I walked into the room and someone was like, Jenny, you're glowing! And in my head I was like, yeah, I'm fucked up. <laughs> like, you know. Um, but, you know, a couple psych words later, um, I ended up homeless, you know. Um, there was, like, just, like, Suicide attempt, psych ward. Um, tried to fight my mom, psych ward. Got in a car wreck, psych ward. Um, you know, all of that shit just kind of like landed me into homelessness and I was homeless in Austin. Um, I was manipulating like, you know, other people I knew to kind of get money, to get a place to stay, to get drugs. Um, you know, especially with men, like as a woman, I was able to like give them what I had for what they had, you know? Um, and not to say that I was like a prostitute, but like I wasn't above it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I never thought I would be in that position. I never thought I would be homeless. I never thought that I would be willing to give up like intimate parts of myself for drugs to like people I barely knew. You know, I, uh, you know, I grew up in like a suburb. You know, I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a drug addict. And I still didn't know that I was one. Um, even at that point. What time is it? Cool. Um, so like this is getting into kind of like the what happened or yeah, what it was like, what happened. This is getting into the what happened part. Um, Eventually, I ended up like posted up at a hotel, and a good friend of mine that I had known since childhood came down to see me. Very similar to like what happened with um, with Bill, how like a childhood friend came to see him. Um, that happened to me too. A childhood friend of mine drove down from Oklahoma, um, and she was like, "I just came to see you. I don't know what's going on, but I just wanted to see you." Um, she bought a Bible for me and like I didn't believe in any of that like I was really like firmly like atheist at the time um, but she bought a Bible for me and she's like I just I just want you to get better like this is what I did so that I could get well like I just want you to get better like that was her like giving me the only solution she knew that worked for her <clears throat> and in my head I was like this is bullshit, but I, you know, I love you. You're my friend. Thank you. Um, and at that point, like, I think she was still there, but like, I climbed up to like the fifth story of like this shitty motel and I was going to jump off of it. And in my head, like, I just felt a sense of relief because what I thought was like, it's going to work this time. You know, all the times I had tried, like, it's going to work this time. Um, but it didn't work because my mom called me and uh, she was like, hey, 
I heard you were at a hotel. Um, I'm in Austin right now, but I'm only gonna be here for two hours. So you need to decide if you want help right now. If you do, I'll stay longer <coughs> and I'll help you out. And the words yes came out of my mouth, but it wasn't, it wasn't me that was saying yes. Cause like instantly after I said yes, I was argue, arguing with her about like details, you know. But the words yes came out of my mouth. So it's like, yes. Um, I remember my friend, I was asking her, I was like, do you think I should do this? And she's like, yes, you know, I really think you should. Um, so my mom told me to look up treatment centers. She told me what to Google. And I just Googled stuff and I picked a place that I, you know, I liked or, you know, I thought it looked decent or whatever. I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, is this like doable? I don't know. And she's like, let me see. She looked and she looked at the price and she was like, yeah, we can do that. I looked at the price. I'm like, mom, that's fucking expensive. Like, I don't, I don't think so. And she was like, do you think you could stay sober without this kind of thing? And I think that was the first time I ever got honest about this thing that had been going on since I was 15. Um, I told her, no, I don't, I don't think I could stay sober, like, on my own. I really didn't. And I think that was the first time, like, I admitted I was powerless over alcohol. Um, and I had knew nothing about the 12 steps at this point. So for me, like, the 12 steps happened very organically um, and just naturally with, like, what I had gone through in my life. Um, so I told her, no, I don't. She's like, all right, pack your shit. You're leaving, like, tomorrow. Um, and so the next day, I went to a treatment center up in Georgetown. <coughs> and I was going to be there for 90 days. Um, when, I, when I went there, like, I didn't know why everyone was laughing. All the girls were smiling. I thought it was really weird. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, I thought it was like a really fucked up summer camp, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, it, you know, whatever, anyway. But I was there, I was happy to be there because I was scared. You know, I was really scared and I, and I honestly, I was tired. Like, I was tired. I felt like I had, like the feeling of me standing on top of that, that, the fifth story of this hotel with my mom calling me. That feeling is like if I had just hit something in a car. You know, if, has anyone ever been in a car wreck? You know what that feels like? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shit. Um, that's, that's what that felt like internally. Like I felt like I just hit a wall. Like I had not, like nowhere else to go. Like I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere else. Um, so when I was there, I, f I you know, I, I just felt like, all right, here we are. Like, I honestly didn't have any more ideas. And like, people sometimes, I work in treatment, so sometimes people will ask me like, will I be okay, you know, is this gonna work for me? And the answer is, I don't know. You know, it depends on how tired you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have no idea. It only, I think it only worked for me because I did the work and I ran out of ideas. If I still had ideas, I would still trying to I would still be trying to make it work, you know. Um, and that's the truth. So 
anyway, they, they took me through the steps for the first time. I read the big book all the way through, um, you know, highlighted it, the shit out of it. Um, step one for me, I felt like it, it took a while because I didn't think I was an alcoholic when I got there, still. And um, it wasn't until, like, hearing other people's stories in these rooms, going to meetings, that, like, I identified with these people. I'm like, hey, what do, you know, like, how did you know you were an alcoholic? And then somebody, like, told me their experience with it, and I identified, and that's how I knew I was an alcoholic. Um, I remember asking, I was like, how do I be a member? Like, how can I become a member of AA? And they're like, you just have to have a desire to stop drinking. I was like, that's really it? Like, I don't have to pay a fee or register or anything? And they're like, no, you just go to meetings. Um, so for me, like, it was through identifying with others that I was able to admit I was powerless over alcohol. It was really easy to admit that my life was unmanageable. I was homeless. I was 30 pounds lighter than I am now, and I'm, like, pretty thin. Um, you know, I was miserable. Like, life was fucking unmanageable. Um... And so whenever I admitted I was powerless over alcohol, and it was truly an admission, um, it, step two came. Came to believe in a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. So um, I came into the treatment center, like, you know, into the rooms, very fucking atheist. I didn't believe, I thought like anything that wasn't measurable didn't exist, you know? Um, I was firmly against it. Uh, I asked somebody, like, why do I need a higher power? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like, you know, this is just a crutch, like, for other people to, you know, this is just a crutch. I'd be weak if I did this. <clears throat> um, and I remember, like, when I was a kid, like, at this Lutheran school, you know, people having faith and praying to this thing. And like at the time, you know, even as a kid, like I didn't really, I just did it because everyone else was praying. Like I didn't really, I, you know, identify or connect with what everyone else was. And I, you know, I thought faith was a beautiful thing. I just didn't think I had the capacity for it. You know, I thought like I was the, the one person who couldn't have faith. Um, and they're like, you should read this chapter called We Agnostics and also the reason why you need a higher power is because you couldn't get sober on your own. And that right there, like that sentence right there, I need a higher power because I couldn't do it by myself. Um, that, that like, I couldn't argue with that. I couldn't argue with it. Like that was the truth. I couldn't do it by myself. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try. Like I'm willing at this point. And that was step two for me. It was very subtle, you know. I was just willing. I didn't believe in anything yet, you know. I wasn't gonna go to church, you know, um, but I was willing. Um, step three for me happened, you know, I think this is the point in the steps where like, a lot of times it's like a burning bush experience. You know, for me, it was just, uh, I don't know, I was just like pondering, I was just thinking like, what is God, what does God look like, what does God do, you know? Where is God? If God is timeless, then it has to be in past, present, and future. Like, I was just trying to figure it out and, like, intellectualize it and just, like, talking myself in circles, you know? Um, but uh, 
it happened really simply, my step three. Like, I was walking outside, and I looked at the sunrise, and, like, it was just really beautiful. And, like, all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked, and I was like, you know, like, this is the kind of stuff that makes me think something bigger is out there. And I remember, like, saying that out loud, and one of my peers in rehab was like, yeah! And, like, <laughs> and, like from that point on, um, you know, I'm not going to say, like, I understood what step three was right then, because I'm still, like, even today, like, I'm still becoming closer and closer to step three. But um, I had my foot in the door. Like, it was like, okay, this is me having faith. This is, like, not asking questions and just, like, having faith. And from then on, like, the less questions I asked, the more answers I started getting. It was really weird. It was really frustrating at times. But it was really simple. Like, they told me to get on my knees and pray three times a day to play the third step prayer. And that's what I did. I didn't overthink it. I didn't change the words, you know. I just did what they told me to do just like that. Um, and that was it, you know. Step four took a long time uh, for me to do. I think it took me like a month to do. Uh, they gave me a worksheet. I just filled out the worksheet. It was really simple. I didn't try to overthink it. Um, you know, I just did it. Um, step five, uh, that was like the first time I felt space to breathe, you know. After step five, um, just admitting all of my wrongs to another human being, to myself and to my higher power, um, I felt like I could breathe. I felt like there was a rock that just got lifted off my shoulders and I was given this list and this list said character defects. And I was like, what's, you know, what's this? And the person that was listening to my fist up, she says, those are the reasons why you get high. And so it's like, okay, cool. So this is like, this is it. This is the, you know, this, these are the reasons right here. It's because I'm selfish. It's because I'm dishonest. It's because I'm resentful. You know, it's because I'm manipulative, blah, blah, blah. You know, selfishness in all its forms, you know, fear in all its <laughs> forms. Those are the reasons why I get high and why I get drunk. Um, and so then I had my step six and seven right after. Um, I, okay, so the chick that was, you know, listening to it, she was like, go to the back room and, you know, pray for an hour and do it like this, you know, just replace your defect with this asset, with the seven step prayer. And I thought she said bathroom. So I went to the bathroom <laughs> and I was like praying in front of a toilet. like. <laughs> Oh shit. For an hour. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was willing, man. I was willing. And so, anyway, after an hour of praying in front of the toilet, um, you know, I was like, all right, did it work yet? And um, I was told, like, no, like, your higher power does, like, you don't work on these things, your higher power helps you. Um, so I kept a book around with me, and I wrote down every time I was acting in one of my character defects. And that was how I was practicing step six and seven continually, is I just wrote it down. I prayed for its removal um, that night, and in the morning I brought 
that asset into my morning meditation. Um, and that's a practice I still do today, and I think it's very helpful. Um, steps eight and nine, when I made those lists, like there, there was not a single person I wasn't willing to make amends to um, because like, I didn't want to die, you know what I mean? Like, that was the connection for me. Like, I, if I wasn't going to go and make these things right, I know that I would turn that hatred back onto myself, you know, um, and I would get miserable again. So there wasn't, a, I don't have experience with there being people I'm not willing to make amends to, even today, as I've reworked the steps, because there has never been someone that I haven't been willing to make amends to. And I have a lot of people to make amends to. Um, and the only reason that is, is because I hated where I was at, and I never want to go back there. I'm not saying that I won't ever have the experience of being unwilling in the future, um, but as of now, I just haven't. Um, steps 10, uh, step 10, um, what I do now is I have like a list of people in my phone that I know will call me out on my shit. Um, and so anytime something comes up, I call somebody that's totally uninvolved, um, if my sponsor is unavailable and I just call them and do the 10 step, like as soon as it's most convenient with my schedule or whatever. So like not in the middle of class, you know, not while I'm working, you know, I don't get paid to do 10 steps, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but just like, you know, I fucking, like in those moments, that's where I, you know, uh, when agitated or doubtful, you know, I pray for the right decision or action. Um, that's when I do that is when something comes up that merits a 10 step, but I can't do anything about it right then as I pray to my higher power to give me peace and serenity in that moment. Um, and there's never been a time that I've prayed that I haven't had those prayers answered. And it's not like, let me get an A on this test. It's more like, you know, let me be helpful to somebody today. And there's always an opportunity to. Um, so yeah, step 11 uh, has changed a lot for me as I've gone through my sobriety. What time is it? Yeah, it's changed a lot for me as I've gone through my sobriety. Like, in the beginning, I remember it being, like, you know, just very simple AA. Like, I read the book, I said the prayers that were in the book, and that was it. Um, as I've gone on, I've become more open to different, uh, I guess, different spiritualities. Um, and I've incorporated those into my Step 11. Um, it looks really different for me right now. Um, you know, I've done things like transcendental meditation and like, uh, you know, sweat lodge and like, um, what else? You know, I tried doing the church thing for a little bit. Oh yeah, that Bible that my friend gave me, when I, when I was doing step 11, I actually read that Bible and I thought I was never gonna read that fucking thing. But I, <laughs> like I read it. Um, it was hard, to, it's hard to understand. I didn't finish it. <laughs> but I read it, you know, I was willing to like at least have an experience with something that I hadn't tried before. Um, and that's like the best experience I can give, suggestion I can give to anybody um, on step 11 is to just be open, you know. And whatever it is that you do, just do it wholeheartedly and with passion. Actually, there's this quote that reminds me 
um, of this right now. Uh, it's this quote, like, I forget who's a by, but this guy says, um, death is something that we earn. Um, and the only way to earn that is by living life with passion. Um, and so for me, that's like step 11. Step 12, I remember the first sponsee I ever had, um, you know, I'd raise my hand during meetings, you know, the moment my sponsor is like, all right, your turn. Um, and I remember the first sponsee I had, she, the first thing she asked me was like, what do you think about marijuana maintenance? <laughs> and like, you know, um, at the time I was like, oh, I have no fucking idea. Um, so I just called my sponsor and asked her and she's like, well, how did I sponsor you? You know, just, you know, sponsor her like I sponsored you. Don't, don't make it fucking difficult, you know? And so that's what I do. I just sponsor other women the same way my sponsor sponsors me. And my sponsor, by the way, I didn't find her, you know, I didn't, like, she found me. Um, she had, like, she had brought meetings to the treatment center that I was at. And she was like, I've been watching you, you know, I've been keeping my eye on you. I've wanted you to ask me to sponsor you. But just so you know, I'm sponsoring you. <laughs> I was like, okay. You know, I thought she was cool. Um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no fucking idea. What, like, this is the first time I've ever done this. Like, I still don't know what I'm doing, you know. But I'm just, like, trying with the way that I understand God. And so, um, anyway, she found me. And we've been working together ever since. She's still my sponsor today. I sponsor a couple women um, now, and um, I mean, since since doing the 12 steps the first time, I have done them again and again since then, um, and I've just realized more and more stuff, you know, in hindsight, of course, um, after working the steps over and over. Um, I actually realized, like, growing up, my mom had been telling me AA shit my whole life. <laughs> and I had no idea until I, like, got into the rooms. But my mom's been working a program since, like, 1998. And I had no idea. And she's been doing it for, like, Al-Anon. But she goes to, like, AA meetings and stuff, too. And I had no idea she was doing all this. Like, I never made that connection. Um, alcohol, alcoholics run in my family, so I like knew of AA, I knew of the 12 steps, and I knew of alcoholism, but I just never knew what it was like to experience that myself. Um, and so when I finally got sober, all the things that I had been taught growing up, and like all the family relationships that I had been informed on, you know, like, oh, your grandfather was an alcoholic, and this, that, and the other, um, it started to make sense, you know, like I started to see how I manifested the same behaviors that my parents had talked about their parents having, you know, um, as alcoholics. And like, you know, I started to understand one day at a time, like I remember my mom would always tell me like, you know, just focus on today, like think, 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 you know, or what, I actually think that's on my family board over here. But you know, she, like, she would always tell me this stuff, and, like, I saw it on the rooms around, you know, whatever meeting place we went to, and everything started to click, and it still does. Um, what time is it? Okay. 
So I'm gonna stop talking here in just a few minutes. Um, I wanna just give you all like a brief little story of like how I found Bolden. Um, so like at the beginning of this year, I experienced wanting to drink again. Um, I had stopped working a program and you know, I just like, I don't, I was resting on my laurels. I stopped trying to enlarge my spiritual life. Um, and I was kind of having the experience that Dr. Bob is described as having. Um, but I didn't drink, thank God. Um, I did what my sponsor told me to do. She said, find a new home group, find a service commitment, find some people that you jive with. So I looked in the inner group thing and I just like picked a meeting and it was Bolden at noon. So I went to Bolden at noon, twice a week, religiously. And I got service commitments, you know, I got in the fucking fellowship. You know, I actually think Reese is the first person who said hi to me, you know, when I first started coming here. Um, but I just knew like I was in danger. Like I was scared. Like given the desire to drink, I had a bigger desire not to. Um, and so I came back home, basically. Um, and this place has become home for me, you know. Um, I really like it here. <laughs> uh, this place, like, saved my life. So, anyway, um, that's all I have. Thank you, guys. <laughs>